0: Though it makes me very sad to say it, the science and evidence are hard to ignore. Kids, I wish it weren't true. But it turns out, if the only things you ever put in your body are ice cream and french fries, the results are pretty bad. I love ice cream. I really love french fries. But diet matters. A bad diet in leads to bad things inside and out. Our theological diet is much the same. What goes in matters. Truth, good theology, leads to good inside and out, and good outcomes. Bad theology leads to bad. Half-truths and lies corrupt inside and out so just as there's truth in the adage you are what you eat so we can also say you are what you hear or at least what you hear and choose to believe that's the main point Micah adds to the discussion in this oracle and by now we're familiar with the format address accusation sentence The oracle takes on Yahweh's voice in verses 7 through 10, address, accusation, sentence, and has Micah's first-person voice as bookends in verses 6 and 11. But in both voices, we hear the truth about Israel's situation. That situation still pertains to the greedy land barons we talked about last week. Their covetousness, that insatiable lust for more and more, had driven them to commit all manner of evil to get what they wanted. They'd scheme, trick, manipulate, or steal whatever it took to take land from its rightful owners and for their own possession. What made the situation more egregious was that the perpetrators were not Assyrian They were not Babylonian. They were not being taken advantage of by pagans. These were Jews. These were brothers in the covenant with the very people they betrayed and treated as enemies. I like to use the phrase, pagans be pagans, to remind you all not to be surprised when unbelievers act like unbelievers. But what do we say When the ungodly behavior comes from those inside the covenant community. I don't just mean one off sin or occasional causes for offense. We will all do that, even against one another, as we await the final victory over our sin nature. Within the covenant community, within this covenant community, we're going to mess up. We will sin against each other, we will cause offense. And when it happens, we need to be quick to confess or to raise the offense and even quicker to forgive. But that's not what was happening here. This was persistent, intentional sin. Remember, these men stayed up late plotting their schemes and they arose early to perpetrate them. These acts were not accidental sins. They were not driven by momentary passion or oversight. They were doing exactly what they planned, exactly what they wanted to do. And they were inside the covenant community. How did they live with themselves? How did they sleep at night? Did they just not care what God had to say? Did they not think that God's word mattered? No, in fact, it's worse than that. They knew God's word mattered. So much so that they hired prophets who would preach to them the theology they wanted to hear. They wanted their truth, and so they paid to get it. They didn't ignore God's word. They sought in it and found approval for their own wickedness. That's why Micah links together his previous oracle with this one. In the last one, he shines the light of truth on the greedy land baron's behavior. But now he swings that spotlight around to reveal the false prophets providing theological cover. What's more destructive than a pagan who doesn't care what God thinks? How about someone inside the covenant community who claims God's approval for their wicked way of living? Whether the issue is abortion, or marriage, or gender, or any of the myriad others of which the Bible takes a clear position, far more damage is done by Christians claiming God's support for sinful ways of thinking than by unbelievers simply speaking and acting consistently with their worldview. For no reason, and in no way, can we allow Satan to use us in this effort. The tip of the spear for the conflict between good and evil is truth. The true light came into the world. Jesus, full of grace and truth. The way, the truth, and the life. The good shepherd feeds his people on a steady diet of truth. And that truth, good theology, leads to good practice, Christ-likeness, and walking with God, and a good outcome, eternal life with God. This is why Satan will do anything he can to prevent the truth from going forth. He will attack God's messengers of truth, and he will blind the hearts of those who desperately need to hear truth. When you speak up for what is true, you should never be surprised to find opposition. When you try to share truth with those who need it, you should never be surprised to feel a sense of that conflict that's happening in the supernatural realm. That's what's happening in this situation in verse 6. The false prophets, with the support of Israel's elites, tell Micah to put a sock in it. Micah's sermons haven't been going over well with the wealthy and the religious rulers. These false prophets committed to making their powerful supporters comfortable can't let Micah keep troubling everyone with his message of judgment, and so do not preach. Thus they preach. But Micah doesn't use the normal Hebrew word for preach here. It's not the word that means prophecy. The word that he uses has at its root the word for to drip, It's the same word used in Proverbs 5, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, her steps follow the path to death. These prophets are not speaking the word of God, they're dripping, seductive, yet deadly lies. They're coddling the elites to stay in their good graces rather than telling them the truth and risking the scorn that Micah himself endures. And for them, it's not enough to speak lies. They must also silence Micah's truth. But God will not be silenced. And this is why we cannot be either. The grass withers, you see, and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, you see, but God's word will not. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit. The word that comes out from God will go out and it will not return to him empty. It will accomplish that which he purposed. No, we cannot be silent. The world, like these greedy barons, wants God to affirm all it does or else to remain silent. And God will, be, will do neither. Verse 7, should this be said, O house of Jacob? You see, God knows Israel's history with false prophets. He accuses them here of this continued, repeated unwillingness to hear the truth. They do it again and again. They did it in the story of Korah in the book of Numbers who convinced his people to rebel against Moses' leadership. That didn't end well. And the story of Amaziah who accused Amos of treason and Hananiah who opposed Jeremiah's warnings for for Israel to turn from their idolatry. But my personal favorite is 1 Kings 22. That's the story of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was fully aware that most of the prophets in his kingdom had been paid off to pander to the elites instead of speaking God's truth. But Jehoshaphat finds himself in a situation where he actually needs the truth, no matter what it is. And so he asks Ahab if there are any prophets left who will tell him the truth. And Ahab's answer is one of my favorite things in the whole Bible. Ahab says, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, Son of Imla, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, only evil. God knows that wherever his people are, wherever truth is needed, false prophets will be also. There are always people around looking for teachers willing to tell them what they want to hear. In the Bible, this phenomena is recorded as early as Genesis chapter 3. Don't we read the words of the first false prophet there? Did God really say? That's where the primary tactic of false teaching becomes clear. You might think that the goal of false teachers is just to make up stuff about God. That's not what they do. That would not be as effective as what they do. Instead, what they do is take parts of what God said and form them into convenient half-truths. Did God really say? In this case, it's verse 7. Has the Lord grown impatient? Are these his deeds? See, Yahweh is merciful and gracious, they drip. These false prophets love to talk about mercy. And grace and kindness, in fact, it's all they talk about. The problem then isn't with what they say, but with what they omit. Patience, grace, love, favor, as today, health, prosperity, blessing. They'll talk about God all day. But there is one thing about God they will never talk about. Judgment for sin. This is because reminders of God's holiness might make us feel guilty. We are sinners. Warnings about his justice might drive us to repentance, in which case we'd have to turn away from our sin. You see, the problem is that we can't both listen to the truth of God and continue to live for ourselves doing whatever we want to do. The false prophets loved the first part of Exodus 34, 6. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. They loved it. And that is true about God. Of course, there's also verse 7. Who will by no means clear the guilty? That last part is the kind of truth that calls on people to change and to give up their sin And that's not something this audience was willing to do. And so they told Micah to shut up. Do not preach. The result is that God accuses them of sin. Their false theology, what went in, is sin. And then what comes out? Their covetousness taking the property and possessions of their fellow Israelites. This was sin. God goes so far here as to call these people, his people, the enemy. Now in their defense, wouldn't it be pretty hard to listen to these words of warning and judgment from Micah when you've got these false teachers offering you the dripping honey of flattery and don't worry about it. It's all fine. They say, are these his deeds? God has always been faithful to us. Things are good, and they'll continue to be good. Why would God change his perspective toward us? Therefore, and here's the key, you can keep doing what you're doing. False teaching always lets us stay how we are. Whether we hear it from others or for ourselves, the great deception is that everything is fine the way it is. One of my commentaries said, worldview determines social behavior. That is to say, what you really believe determines what you do. If you think that God is fine with your living for self, with your indifference toward his word, with you doing whatever you want to have more of whatever you want, you won't change. Why would you? You are what you hear because what you believe and what you do is shaped by your willingness to hear and submit to the truth. These false prophets claimed to be speaking for God, but instead they spoke their own agenda. They coddled the people, telling them only what they wanted to hear instead of the truth. And as a result, the people felt affirmed in what they were doing, even if it was sin. And it was sin. But lately my people have risen up as an enemy. You strip the rich robe from those who pass, and by trustingly with no thought of war, Remember how Joseph's own brothers stripped off his robe in sin and rebellion against God? Here again, Israel's middle class are stripped and robbed and put down by their own kinsmen. God gave his wealth to his people and he spread it broadly among them. And now it's being consolidated in the hands of a few who are willing to do whatever it takes to get it. And yet, as they rob their brothers, as they rob their sisters, and the children of the covenant are put out on the street, they feel just fine. After all, God has not grown impatient. No need to change anything. How do hearts get this hard? How do people do things so evidently wrong? and sinful, so clearly unbiblical, and yet even within the covenant community, enable themselves to justify and continue. How do hearts get this hard? The answer is from soft preaching, preaching that lacks truth. This oracle is as much against the false prophets as it is against the greedy barons. They're all to blame for this. You are what you hear. And they wanted to hear affirmation. And they went out and they found people who would give them affirmation rather than speak the truth of God. Bad goes in and bad comes out. It seems like it would be so good. But kids, it's a terrible thing when people will only tell you what you want to hear. Pastors should be encouraging. I hope I remember to encourage you often. But you do not want a pastor who won't also tell you the truth. Parents should build you up with praise. But parents who do not also teach you the truth, even hard truth, are leading you astray. And your friends, yes, we delight in friends who will compliment us and who are willing to overlook small offenses. But I will tell you, someone who will not also tell us the truth, especially about our sin, is no real friend. God is gracious. But his grace is not cheap. He does offer more forgiveness than we could ever use up. But he offers it to the repentant. He is patient beyond all of our understanding, but he is also holy and just, and there will come a time when his patience should no longer hold those attributes at bay. God is judge, and here he warns in truth of the judgment coming against Judah's sin. In verse 10, he explains that they will be exiled from the land, a land that they have defiled with their sin. Arise and go, for this is no place to rest because of uncleanness that destroys with a grievous destruction. Remember, this is the promised land, the land that God had offered to his people as a place of rest. This was supposed to be the place where they had the opportunity to enter into God's rest with him. But their sin defiled the land. And what should have been their resting place cannot provide rest for unrepentant sinners. And what is defiled cannot remain in the presence of God. Something had to change. And so if they wouldn't change through repentance, then God would remove them from the land. God sent the Assyrians to attack them and to defeat them. And then Judah's elite would be taken away into exile and lose the land and the rest. You know what happened? They became what they heard because you are what you hear. That's why in verse 11, Micah rather sarcastically points out that this judgment was self-inflicted. These land barons were willing to accept as truth any words that allowed their sinful behavior to continue. They wanted to hear what they wanted to hear, and so they heard it. Are we any less tempted by affirmation? We live in a culture that lusts after affirmation. Likes on Facebook, followers on social platforms, or even just someone's nodding agreement with us in a group. We, too, want our ways of thinking to be affirmed and often it's especially when we sin we sin and then we look around to see if we can find someone who will affirm us as if we can justify our sin and remove our guilt through consensus rather than repentance this is what Micah calls uttering wind and lies that consensus, it's empty noise devoid of truth. It's what he calls wine and beer preaching in verse 11. Eat, drink, be merry, everything's fine, we're all okay. Be at peace. And right now, as always, your world is filled with people wanting to tell you exactly this. Especially when we send Other sinners want to tell us exactly this. Believe what you want. Do what you want. Your truth is truth. All perspectives are valid. We're all okay. And this is the bad that goes in. And this is why the world practices such wickedness. They aren't hearing truth. And you are what you hear. Our theological diets matter. We do and become what we believe. And as those who are united with Christ in his truth, we have a particular responsibility, not only for hearing truth in our own lives, which we must, but also for speaking truth. We hear the good shepherd's voice, and it speaks truth. Are we not also then to speak that truth into the world? We are. And in fact, our speaking this truth into the world is how God's kingdom advances. In our homes, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, we speak truth and God's kingdom advances. Here we are. I'm two for two on the iPad today. (laughs) Hear what one Bible teacher says. This stunned me when I read it this week. From now on, I am will not raise up military geniuses like Joshua and David to establish an external kingdom. He raises up prophets. Prophets who through the double-edged sword of truth cut out spiritual rot and convert hearts, thereby establishing an everlasting spiritual kingdom. Think about it. What did Jesus do when his disciples raised their swords against the Roman guards who came for them? He told them to put down their swords. Not because self-defense is wrong, but because that situation wasn't about self-defense. It's about warfare. Warfare. It's about warfare against the kingdom of darkness. It's about the expansion of God's kingdom. And you don't fight that battle with swords. You don't oppose those evil forces with swords. But with truth. You are what you hear. That's why, as another preacher said, soft preaching makes hard hearts. And hard preaching leads to soft hearts that receive salvation from the God of truth. And love. That's the kind of preaching I need to do. But our theological diets are more than just my preaching. All of life should be viewed through a theological lens. Your reading and devotional time, but also the media you consume, books, TVs, movies, podcasts and the conversations you participate in online and face-to-face. What we hear and what we say are part of this narrative. So what's in your theological diet? Is it the soft and false preaching that our sin natures crave? Or are we committed to the hard and true word of God? Jesus feeds his followers Truth. And no, these are not often easy words. They're often hard words. They're hard because they change us rather than allowing us to remain as we are. But isn't that what the world needs? What we need? Our marriages, our families, our children, our social circles? Don't we need hearts to be changed? What changes them is the truth of God. So for his sake, let us hear truth and let us speak it. We are what we hear.